Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Happy New Year, Macquarie. How are you going? It's 2021. How about we agree right now in this place to just pop 2020 off to the side, write it off as a learning experience and head into this new year knowing that God is with us and that God is for us. Um, Thank you for joining us online. Uh, We're continuing our series this week on how I fight my battles. Uh, Last week, Donna spoke beautifully on loneliness, and this week we're going to continue talking about relationship tensions. Um, Carly and I have been married for nearly 16 years, and uh, I can honestly say it's been the best 16 years of her life. Uh, So anyway, that'll probably bring some tension into my family. Um, So relationship tension. It's a relevant topic right at the moment coming out of Christmas because traditionally divorce rates spike at this time of year. In fact, tomorrow, the first working Monday in January is referred to by a number of lawyers as Divorce Day because normally people can carry around uh, little hurts, little attitudes, little resentments because they heal up when we're off at work or when we're spending time away from each other. But during the Christmas holidays, when people are together a lot on top of each other, these things can get uh, pretty intolerable. And then come January, they're calling a counselling service or a lawyer. And then if we throw what happened with COVID into the mix, uh, the lockdowns that had everyone staying at home, indoors, juggling work and homeschooling and you name it, it's put incredible pressure on households and families. So when COVID hit for us, Carly and I, we were both working from home. Uh, We were trying to homeschool an energetic six-year-old who is full of these profound levels of noise. And I spent most of my time trying to find a place where they weren't. And for some couples, being stuck in close confines accelerated the uh, realisation that they just don't want to be around their partner anymore. Let's have a look at some statistics. This is first from the ABC network. During COVID in particular, between March and November 2020, Australian internet searches about divorce and the overall traffic to family law firms and their websites rose by over 20%. A study by Relationships Australia noted that 42% of people experienced a negative change in their relationship with their partner during COVID. It might sound weird, but sometimes too much togetherness isn't a good thing for many couples because it can numb intimacy, it can uh, wreck the emotions that are associated with uh, keeping the peace, uh, attraction, desire, and it can cause trouble. So relationship tension. Let me start off with a couple of initial thoughts that may help protect our relationships. We need to banish this idealised Hollywood notion of what love is. Sometimes we think that love has to be absolutely problem-free for it to be real, and that, that any sort of tension or an argument or a difficulty is this enormous red flag, it's this evidence that something isn't right. Can I encourage you, get comfortable with tension in your significant relationships. It's part of the deal and it's not the exception. When two people are are in love, and particularly if they cohabitate, it's inevitable, troubles are going to pop up. 
uh, except for John and Mindy Newsom. I, I, I think they had one argument back in 2003. Someone raised their voice about, no, what do you want to have for dinner? And then it just all petered out from there, and they've been fine ever since. Um, the very first thing that triggers any relationship tension is a breakdown of expectations. So when it happens, it doesn't mean that the other person is against you or that they're trying to pull the wool over your eyes. It's just that some of our dreams, our lofty ideals, uh, our goals that we started in the relationship with uh, are being buffeted and subjected to real-life dynamics. So don't be shocked by tension in your relationships. This is a particular big factor in church circles. Uh, Sometimes we've not done the generations a favour by expressing finding the one as finding the perfect one. So when expectations aren't met, when trouble hits, it hits hard because you've got this expectation that you're with this hand-picked, God-ordained, heaven-sent, perfect love of your life. But please understand, it's normal to navigate your way as a couple through chains of little disappointments. Now, I know, geez, you're you're killing the mood here, Davidson, I, I know, but some of this stuff is vital and can save you down the track particularly for young couples. Because you'll start to realise more and more that the puzzle is missing some pieces. Uh, Some people people go along about how, oh, 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 love shouldn't be this hard, it should come naturally. If two people are compatible, if they're soulmates. The Christian answer to this is that there is absolutely no such thing as a soulmate. No two people are truly 100% compatible. There'll always be a difference. The concept of soulmate is actually a philosophical concept rooted in ancient mythology. The first, the first uh, terminology that resembles soulmates come from a, a story where the gods split human beings in two as a form of punishment for their pride and their arrogance towards the heavens. And that since then, we've been on a search to find our soulmate in an attempt to reach completion once again. So when Tom Cruise in the movie Jerry Maguire shouts out, you complete me to this poor innocent girl, he's actually setting up a massive disappointment for the future of their relationship. We've got to dispose of this idea that somehow we are half full people wandering around waiting for someone to complete us. There's no one person who can complete your soul because according to the Word of God, according to the Bible, we're only made complete in God. So let me now deflate the next tyre. Here we go. You've married the wrong person. Duke University ethics professor Stanley Hauerwas has famously made this point. This is a quote. Destructive to marriage is the self-fulfillment ethic that assumes marriage and family are primarily institutions of personal fulfillment necessary for us to be whole and happy. The assumption is that there is someone perfect enough for us to marry and that if we look closely enough, we will find the right person. This assumption overlooks a crucial aspect to marriage. It fails to appreciate the fact that we always marry the wrong person. We never know whom we marry. 
We just think we do. Or even if we marry the right person, give it a while and he or she will change on you. With marriage being the enormous thing that it is, this means we are not the same person after we have entered it. The primary challenge of marriage is learning how to love and care for the stranger to whom you find yourself married to. That's a heck of a quote. Marriage profoundly changes us. Probably better put, marriage profoundly reveals us. So be comfortable with the fact that tension will be present. A degree of it is good for us. It's, it's iron sharpening iron, as the Bible says. I once heard Vince Harris say this, marriage is God's number one tool in his make them more like my son arsenal. Look, sometimes relationship tension comes from big stuff like how do we cope with infidelity, how do you live with someone who fundamentally doesn't share the same values as you on parenting or money or even your physical safety. But other times, most times, the majority of the case, it's getting through the day. It requires us to respond to small tensions, the little foxes that eat at the vines, the Bible says things like housework, things like coordinating your schedules and your calendar, things like paying the bills. And handling these small conflicts with respect can actually fortify your relationship with more positive energy. Okay, let's have a look at some principles for good relationships. I'm going to express these in the context of marriage, but the principles I want to talk about apply to pretty much every relationship, uh, parenting, work, business, ministry, you name it. But first off, I want to start with a little bonus tip, a freebie for the gentlemen out there, for for the married men. Uh, Every single time you start talking with your wife, you should have a little message that starts playing in the background of your mind. You may have heard it before. This conversation will be recorded for training and quality purposes. Anyway, okay, sorry. I love you, Carly. You're wonderful. Uh, A couple of practical things you can do and put in place today. Number one, Grant loving restarts. Give your loved one a do-over. Let's have a look at a verse from 1 Peter 4, verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. You could even say a multitude of conflicts. Stuff's going to happen. Good people are going to make mistakes. You and I are going to make mistakes in the context of our relationships. Some will be big and messy. Some will be tiny and daily. Sometimes the best way to get through things is to give the other person the benefit of the doubt. A restart allows you to start again without rehashing the mistake. Don't continually bring up the past. Give restarts freely, but also ask for them too. When you know you've stepped out of bounds and you need to start over, let your partner know. Instead of over-analyzing and blaming, you can acknowledge that something's gone off the rails, you can do it again and you can do it better next time. The next thing, sit quietly and listen. Controversial thought, let's have a read of James, chapter 1, 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry 
because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Most of the dramas in our relationships are a product of miscommunication or misunderstanding. And you won't clear them up with your significant other without equal airtime. When you spend time listening without rolling your eyes, you can gain clarity. You can understand their perspective and where they are coming from. And that's often nine-tenths of the way to resolving the conflict. It can be the first step to resolution or at least to start establishing peace again. You've got to pause, you've got to reflect. Sometimes you may need to remove yourself for a moment to get your emotions and your adrenaline in check and then return with your ears wide open. And if both of you can do that, you'll be fine. You will get there. Importantly, you've got to figure out the best time to talk. Uh, psychologists believe that the end of the day can be the best time to talk for resolving conflict, but you need to pick a time that's not too late when everyone is tired. So find a sweet spot between when your family members are a little bit chilled and when they, uh, they haven't yet tipped over into exhaustion. It is not a good idea to try and resolve conflict when you are lying in bed next to your missus. You're tired, your bodies are shutting down, you don't want to fire up at that point. Um, parents, dare I say fathers in particular, you have significant influence on your family's mood and their emotional resilience within the home. So if you need to, if it's wider than just the couple, call a family meeting. If your children are involved and mature enough, name the problem, have the robust conversation, brainstorm some options as a family. Um, be proactive about some of the repeating themes that are coming up. Because if you don't address the repeating themes, they will keep coming up until you do. But the main point I want to make there is, silence rarely works. This next point is huge for me. This is one that has personally helped me a lot. And it sounds odd. You need to take an outsider's view. I haven't got a verse for this one, but I've got an entire character from the Bible to illustrate it. It's hard to judge a problem when you are immersed in it. When you're in the thick of it, in the middle of the tension, it's hard to have an objective view. Distance away from an issue can help us judge things more reasonably and sometimes the best way through a conflict is to approach the dilemma as if you were an outsider. In 2014, a research paper was published by the Canadian University uh, with professors Igor Grossman and Ethan Cross. The paper was titled, Distance from a Conflict May Promote Wiser Reasoning. You can access it online, it's quite academic, but it's very insightful. They studied a psychological phenom phenomenon that they ended up dubbing the King Solomon's Paradox. You'll be familiar with King Solomon, the wisest man in the Bible, who would give out sage advice and make profound breakthroughs for other people with the words of wisdom that he shared. The funny thing is, he couldn't actually save himself from making several disastrous decisions, many that ended up wrecking his own kingdom. And Grossman discovered within his research, and this is a quote from the paper, people reason significantly more wisely about other people's social problems than they do their own. So Solomon's paradox 
When he was addressing other people's issues, he had wisdom galore. But for his own, he came up short. So here's some things that we can learn from Solomon's paradox. Firstly, get distant. Get distance from the issue. When we're living in our lives and something troubling happens, it narrows our view. We close in on our feelings and it can blind us to the bigger picture stuff of what's going on. So when you're faced with a relationship issue or a tension, if you can, remove yourself physically for a time. It may be a short moment, it may be a season. Then imagine that you are advising a friend who is in the same situation. What would you suggest that person do or not do? This might help too, and it sounds a little bit crazy. When you are thinking about the problem, talk to yourself in the third person. My tip, learning from experience, don't do this out loud when you've had a blow up with the missus at Bunnings. Uh, Instead of asking yourself, why am I doing this? Objectively look at it and ask, why is Craig responding like that? The wisdom will come quicker because you have removed yourself from the scenario. Analyse it like it was an external situation. Analyse it like a, a case study that you are being presented with and start coming up with objective, emotionless action steps for the situation. Think practically. What can Craig do in this scenario? When you figure out how you advise that friend or your, yourself in the third person, take that wisdom on board. In some cases, you may need to run that wisdom past a trusted friend or a leader or a pastor or someone with runs on the board in relationships. Because distance, if you separate yourself and consider objectively, it can provide you with the clarity you need. I want to close by talking about the God factor. I should probably involve him in this, shouldn't I? Uh, He is a source of hope for our relationships. Let's look at Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows out of it. What's your heart? Well, in the Hebrew, it talks about the inner person. It talks about our core values, our feelings, our emotions, our thoughts, our decisions. Your life is within your heart. So how do we guard our hearts in relationships? God in His Word and in His wisdom has given us two elements for healthy relationships that assist not only when tension rises, but can also be a preventative measure for the future. The first element that God gives us is grace. I need a lot of this stuff and and I am blessed to have a wife that extends a lot of grace to me. But we all need this. We all need grace. 1 Peter 4 verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Basically, grace is this. God is for you and He is on your side. He's on your team, no matter what you do. Early in my marriage, early in my marriage with Carly, we started this thing, we called it Team Devo. It sounds corny, but it has kept us together during savage seasons, through health attacks, through many disappointments that that some of you would be familiar with. 
And Team Dovo was this concept, kind of us against the world, where we had each other's back, we would extend grace towards each other more so than any other person on the planet. Team Dovo has experienced, has, has expanded to include a short little fellow that big and we are extending that grace to him as well. In your significant relationships, make sure it is an environment of grace and that you are a source of grace to each other. Uh, grace comes vertically through God to us, through his word, through his spirit, but it also moves horizontally. We take grace and we give it to each other. In our relationships, we should steward grace. In fact, we should be the delivery system of God's grace to each other and indeed to the world. Relationships that steward grace towards each other are solid because they are safe relationships. Think about that. With grace, you can be in a safe relationship. No condemnation, no judgment, the offer of a restart and a listening ear because judgment shuts people down but grace opens people up. Uh, the second thing that God supplies for relationships is this, truth. Let's look at Ephesians 4 verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head and that is Christ. What is truth? Well, it's, it's what is real, it's what is. Truth in a relationship is the feedback we give each other as friends. It also, it's the feedback we give each other in business, in ministry, but particularly in marriage. Grace provides the safety that we need, the freedom and the safety to be ourselves in the relationship, and truth provides the structure that we need. It gives us the resilience, the framework that helps enhance the relationship. And God blends grace and truth together. Grace is, I'm here for you no matter what. Truth is, I need to give you some feedback that will help us and protect us. When grace and truth go together, things go better. Now note, the order is important. It's grace and truth. Grace first, then truth. You can't put truth out there first and then hope that grace will come along and clean up the mess. Be gracious when addressing tension and conflict. And with God's help, your significant other will open up and be receptive to the truth that you both need. But grace first. There is hope for your relationships in 2021. There is grace for your relationships in 2021. There is truth to discover about your relationships in 2021. And as we enter this new year, I pray that God would inhabit your marriage, inhabit your families, your conversations. He would be there for you in your fights, in your disagreements and in your resolutions. Can I pray for you? Hey God, it's us. We have a lot of relationships in our lives, God, and through your wisdom and through your grace, I pray that you would show us how to manage them well, how to steward them well, 
for our marriages, God, for the, for the marriages in Macquarie. I pray that you would bless them this year, that we would have a revelation of grace and truth and how to coordinate ourselves in those beautiful relationships that we might reflect you more and more to those around us. Help us, God, to have that perspective of wisdom when it comes to our relationships. It may mean stepping back and looking at it objectively from a distance. Help us, God, sometimes to just keep our mouths shut and our ears open. Give us that practical wisdom and quicken to us spirit when we need to just sit back and listen. God, I pray that you would bless every marriage and every relationship of everyone who is watching this morning. We love you and we want to honour you with our relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. While we're talking about grace, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. He's not going to love you any extra if you perform well. So take that pressure off yourself. Under grace, it also means there's no way that I can stuff up and make God love me less. And we need to know that more and more. There's no way I can perform at a higher level to make God love me more, and there's no way that I can stuff it up royal to cause Him to love me less. And that's the nature of grace. And today I want to ask you, if you've made a decision to accept the free gift of grace, the restart, the do-over that we talked about before, that God offers you through Jesus. If you've handed over your heart, your, your inner person that we talked about, you can access the greatest relationship that anyone can ever have, a real, living, active relationship with God through Jesus. He's the source of our grace. He gave us that clean start that we spoke of. The forgiveness of God is there for you. The grace of God is there for you. The safety in relationship with God is there for you. And there is joy for you. And if that's you, if today you would like to become a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, then I'm going to pray and I invite you to pray with me. Pray this prayer from your heart. Open up to him. Here we go. Hey Jesus, thank you for your saving work. Today I confess my need of you, my need for forgiveness, for clearing away and for blotting out those things I've done wrong, the sin, the brokenness. I thank you for coming into my life and changing me from the inside out. And from this moment, I'm a new creation and a follower of you. I want to be in that grace-filled relationship with you, God. And I thank you for your love and for your grace for delivering me from death and brokenness to life, for taking me from struggle and launching me into purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you and you prayed that prayer and you want to become a Christian, I'm going to ask you to reach out to us. If you're watching on the online portal, there's a, a prayer request button there. We'd ask you to press that. We'll grab some details. We'll see how we can help you. If you're watching through YouTube or through another avenue, can you reach out to the church office? Give us a call. Uh, we want to get some resource to you that can help you in your first few steps on this journey, on this, this new relationship that you can establish with God. We bless you heaps. Anyway, have a great Sunday, Macquarie. Happy New Year, and we'll see you real soon. 
Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.